Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. These are the last days of Prohibition, and this show seeks to feature the stories of the founders, the investors, the marketers that are bridging the gap. The day of getting a little dime bag from your guy on the corner is done. It's not happening. Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm Brandon David. On today's episode, it's all about Flocana. It's a San Francisco delivery company, but not just any delivery company. They focus on the farmer. It's a fantastic conversation about what happens when it gets legal in California, and we have big corporations coming into the space. Are they going to snuff out the little guy? It's a great show, guys. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. What's up, man? How are you? I'm Thanks great. Thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having for me. For sure. So tell us just a little, just what is Flocana? Sure. So I think the you know one one sentence two sentence pitch is we are essentially, you know, one of the first if not the first you know values driven sustainable cannabis brand powered by small farmers in Emerald Triangle that in my mind grow they're the best sun grown organic cannabis in the world. What are some of those values? Uh, so you know I'd, I would definitely say you know we're all about you know giving the small farmer a voice and you know basically acting as a voice for the small farmer. So I think you know when we um, originally started I think the you know idea was one we definitely wanted to act as a voice for small farmer, like I mentioned, I mean, those are the people that this industry has, you know, been built on the backs of these small farmers, you know, these, some of these people have been growing for, you know, as many as like four or five generations back, um, you know, this is like their livelihood. This is their so livelihood. They deserve to be at, you know, at center stage and they deserve to get all the credit and, you know, in our mind, for better or for worse, that, that hasn't generally happened um, historically, so we wanted to just, you know, put them at center stage because these are the people that have made the industry what it is today. Yeah, this is a relatively novel thing in the cannabis world. I mean, because it comes from such a, a criminal place, yeah. it's very much a black box type exactly. industry. You know, it's, I want some weed, somebody brings me weed. Yep. You know, you don't know where it comes. And it's fascinating, actually, on your website, when you look at the menu, it says, who grew it? Yep, exactly. And then there's background about who grew it. Why is it so important that, that we understand exactly where it came from? And, you know, historically, just think when you walk into... A lot of dispensaries, um, you know, the cannabis, the flower is just, you know, comes in the, you know, the dispensary branded packaging and, and that's it. You know the name. You don't know, you know, who grew it. You don't know where it was grown. You don't know how it was grown. You don't, you don't know what type of chemicals, pesticides, anything that was, it is in that. It's pretty much, pretty much a mystery. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, using this for legitimate medical purposes. And, you know, if you think about it that way, people should know what they're putting in their body. Um, Absolutely, yeah, uh, and it's nice to see the testing increments yeah. coming along, right? And that's something that's featured on your website yeah. as well. Uh, so, I mean, tell us some of the stories of the, these farmers. I mean, uh, what what is the scale of, of an average farmer that that you you scale in terms of from? like plants or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just like how much of. Uh, what you get comes from each farmer. I mean, is it is it like five or six farmers, or how many? Little yeah. So right now we've got. Uh, God, on so many right now. I think we've got like uh, eight, eight or nine farmers on the platform right now. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing about the small craft farmer you're talking about, sort of before we started here, is um, you know not that many people may care about sort of the small farmer and may know about it, but they care about the quality of cannabis. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of our farmers they talk about. I'm trying to actually remember what the exact number is, but they all say you know um, somewhere between you know like 50 to 100 plants, once you get, get past that, you know, one farmer, one or two farmers can only really pay the attention that's deserved to about that, to about that amount of number of plants. And once you get over that, 
it sort of starts transitioning in sort of more the commercial area, which, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's um, the large scale commercial grows are, you know, for better or worse, they're, they're probably going to, to exist for, you know, a larger extent or, or smaller extent. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I, th I think it's just the smaller, the smaller craft thing. They just, there's, there's more love that's put into it. There's just more attention that's paid to each plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that is the biggest concern with legalization. Uh, is that we lose some quality here. Right. And hopefully as cannabis consumers, uh, we don't have to face that issue. Yeah. If you use alcohol as, a, as an example, uh, there is two distinct parts of the market, right? I mean, you can buy Coors Light. Right. I, I don't, but you can buy Coors Light, right? Sure. And then there are small brew craft type brewers that obviously are much better quality. I mean, right. do, you, do you see that coming into cannabis? Is that how it's, how it's going to end up? I think so. I mean, I, I think this, you know, I think it's... Uh... There's still a lot to be seen what's going to happen, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it could be similar to sort of like, you know, the, the beer industry. I think there, there's probably going to be, um, you know, your, your Budweiser's or your Coors, and then there's going to be, you know, all these, these craft farmers and sort of these smaller craft brewery brands as well. I mean, I think ideally I'd like to say there's going to be a place for both, uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, no one knows. Uh, we just make predictions on this show for, for fun, I guess. Totally. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So take me a little bit through the experience, because it's quite a bit different mm -hmm. uh, than, than most online ordering systems. Sure. Uh, I've, I've seen most all of them from working at OnFleet mostly. Shout out OnFleet. What's up, guys? Got my shoes on today. <laughs> uh, but anyway, tell me, when you first log on, you, are, you can take a quiz, mm -hmm. which is sort of an interesting caveat here in your corner playing off the, the vibe of how do you feel, how do you right. want to feel. How did you guys make the decision and, you know, how do you make that quiz? How does that how does So, that I mean, I, I think, you know, the idea behind that was um, we wanted to give sort of an, an inviting and sort of, um, uh, yeah, sort of an inviting and friendly environment for maybe, you know, some of the more newer patients in the industry. Maybe this, ideally, maybe they're the first people that, we're the first people they come to and they get a recommendation. They get a recommendation because they heard about us. I'm like, well... You know, I think I'm actually, I'm actually going to get a recommendation because I want to buy from these guys. You know, ideally, we'd like to say that. Who knows if that's the case? But mm -hmm. um, I think it's just more about, you know, a friendly and inviting um, side of things for people who are new to the industry. They don't really know what they're looking for and just helps them guide them a little bit in terms of sort of a direction of what, what may be good for, for what they're looking for. And what's the feedback loop there? I mean, does that, does that work when people come and, and they say, okay, I want to feel happy, and then you make a recommendation, or you do the packs too, which is kind right. of cool, right? You'll send three, mm -hmm. three grams that you think will be good, and they kind of right. can try. Is the feedback that, wow, this really helped me get into cannabis? Yeah, I think so. I definitely, we've definitely got some good feedback that says, you know, this, this definitely helped me, you know, we have the, uh, the, you know, the online chat option like most people do. And some people, a lot of us will chat our customer service people, you know, an hour or two after they, they took the quiz and got the, got the, the strain that they ordered or the pack. And they're like, yeah, that quiz really helped me out. Like, thanks, guys. Like, not many other people do that. So it's always awesome to hear things like that, that, you know, yeah. the quiz we put the time into is actually, you know, helping some people out. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. You've done like the the subscription box in a smaller form in a way. Right. I know it's not a subscription, but there's other people that have tried this, right. uh, and it hasn't really caught on. So interesting that in small amounts, it seems. I've to never, be yeah, I've never really thought about that. The packs are sort of like a subscription box. Ooh, yeah, right. they really, they kind of are, right? Yeah. It's well, it's like curated. Like they're sort right. of trusting you to to pick the right the right. Yeah, thing. and I think that's definitely true. I would definitely say uh, newer users, a lot of them will will try the packs and then. Um, once they've sort of gotten a feel for what we are, most of them will start, you know, buying specific strain that they want, a specific strain that they like. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the packs are a good sort of introductory product. They can get a sense of, you know, three different strains in, in, in one 
you know, package, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, it is sort of like a blind trust of you guys, right? Like, yeah. I've taken this quiz. I want to feel less anxiety, so yeah. bring me the three. Okay, so then that brings up the question of how have you sourced these farmers? You know I mean? How, how is the quality check there? Good question. So um, one of our other co-founders, uh, Nick, he was one of the, I think he was the third, third guy at Spark in the city. Um, so we helped you know, pretty much build that dispensary from the ground up. It's one of the you know, yep. biggest and most you know, reputable around. Um, and so he was a, you know, their main buyer there for you know, four or five years or so. Got it. Um, and so you know, lucky for us, he's you know, part of the team and he's you know, cultivated these relationships with these farmers for, you know, mm -hmm. he's known all the ones we've got on the platform now for you know, at least a few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, as we continue to grow and continue to expand and you know, we're obviously gonna need to bring more than eight or nine farmers on the platform. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a place where we're going to have to, you know, develop some sort of um, criteria or some sort of, you know, um, you know, some sort of screening criteria that you have to meet, you know, meet these certain, you know, check off all these different boxes. You have to meet sure. those certain criteria in order to come on the platform. Sure. Yeah. No, makes um, sense. And and the other decision that you guys have made is it's all outdoor grown, mm -hmm. right? Everything is outdoor grown. Uh, why why only outdoor? Um, it's just hard hard to replicate the power of the sun. Um, you know, plants are actually getting, you know, the full power of the sun and sort of reaching their full potential for, you know, being out in the sun, not only the sun, but the moon and stars at night for, you know, six months or so. It's just, it's just a little bit different than, um, you know, being under, under lights for, you know, whatever the, the indoor growing cycle can be, six weeks or so. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just different. Um, I think people have, uh, people that aren't very informed about cannabis, maybe just casual cannabis users, they have this perception that outdoor is of lower quality or it's of lower potency. Right. So any truth to any of that? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. We, we like to think that we've, we've sort of um, started to change that perception. Yeah. I'd, like to say, I'd like to say we have a little bit. I yeah. mean, I think there's still a long way to go for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's somewhat just a, a result of prohibition, to be honest. Yeah. Um, people started growing indoors in the first place because they were scared of having, you know, shoppers fly over their, their room and have, you know, agents drop yeah, down and absolutely. cut the plants, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think that was the original reason that, that people started to move indoors and that, that had become sort of the, the mainstay. And I think that is what the majority of a flower that's been, that's sold in, um, you know, brick and mortar dispensaries, a lot of it is indoor. Um, and so that's just sort of what, what people become used to, I think, in, in sort of the, the dispensary setting once, the, you know, the actual, you know, medical market and, you know, legal markets started to come on board. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think you, you're starting to change the conversation around outdoor yeah. because the outdoor that you present is so good. Right. Right. And that goes back to the selection of those farmers. Exactly. Um, as we look forward here and, and legalization is, is going to happen, it is. whether it's in 2016 or, yeah. or beyond, it will happen. And uh, I mean, are these small farmers in danger? Is, is, is corporate America going to take over cannabis and... and are they screwed? Is, is that coming down the pipe? Good question. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to say no. Um, I think um, there's definitely going to be have to be a lot more sort of collaboration and unity. Um, we're going to have to sort of work together to, to sort of make the vision that we all see uh, happen. Yeah. I think uh, traditionally, you know, once again, sort of the, the prohibition thing. It's everyone has sort of been you know fragmented and really independent. No one has really. Uh, you know, share their secrets and sort of insights because everyone is, you know, there's frankly been nervous and scared. They don't know if someone they feel like is, you know, a friendly farmer may actually be someone they're not. Right, um, right. And so, yeah, I think it's, people are going to have to work together, but yeah, I mean, 
uh, you know, coming on board and you know, the legal system, it's going to be, it's not going to be cheap. Mm -hmm. um, so we're definitely trying to, you know, work with our farmers and build some solutions where we can, you know, create some efficiencies and, and bring them all together and sort of like, I think you can sort of look at it sort of like the co-op model mm -hmm. um, where we can all sort of, you know, come together and, and help all our farmers create some efficiencies for them and hopefully, you know, lower their costs and, and make it, you know, a viable option for them to continue in, in legal market because that's, you know, what we want to see. Yeah, no, very cool. I just noticed your shirt, by the way. Oh, thank that's you. pretty dope. Like, thank you. I like it. Uh, so I'm curious. So you're the co-founder and head of BizDev. Uh, I'm a sales guy by day as well. Sure. I'm curious about what that means at Flowcon. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you do all day? Good question. We're definitely all still in startup mode. I do a whole lot of things. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, anything related to sort of growth marketing. I run all sort of our marketing campaigns, uh, some of our partnerships we've done. Okay. Um, a little bit of sort of the design and, and uh, you know, app redesign, a little tweaks here and there with, you know, cool. our designers. So I work pretty closely. product with, stuff, yeah. Yep, yeah, we yeah. work pretty closely with our designers. Our, uh, our CEO, Michael, who he was, he's Venezuelan born. Uh, so he actually, you know, he's a citizen, went to school here, and then he went back down there and started um, a food distribution company, a few different food brands down in South America. Okay. So we've got okay. some good relationships with our, our two designers down there who are really, really good to work with. And got they're, it. Um, not, quite, not quite as pricey as, you know, designer you may find up here as well. So I, they're great to work with. So I work with them fairly often. Um, and uh, some of more of the day-to-day -day stuff in terms of sort of keeping the menu up to date and making sure all the stuff we have in the menu is, is attractive to our patients. Got it. That sounds like so a, a, like a, a CLO to me. I don't know, Michael. You better uh, promote this guy. Or something. No, <laughs> it's a lot of kidding. different things, no, man. I'm just kidding. Everyone does a bunch of different things at this point, which is which is fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no, no day no, is it's, different. It's the or reason no that I work same. in small companies. I mean, the only biggest company I've worked in is like 15 people. How many how many employees are on Fleet? Uh, there's 11 of us right 11? now. Oh, wow. Pretty okay. small. Pretty. How much? How about you guys? Uh, we're at a little uh, around 20 now. Yeah, around 20, yeah. No, we are 11 incredibly efficient people. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's really the name of the game. Uh, good stuff. So we've come to sort of my favorite part right. of the episode here. I'm always fascinated by, uh, you know, the guest's personal consumption of cannabis. Sure. You know, after you get done here, it's a Saturday afternoon. What do you smoke? How do you like to smoke? You know, what, what, what kind of smoker are you? I, guess. Uh, I, was, I was actually thinking about that question over here in the, in the car because I knew you were going to ask that because I looked at the questions. And I think uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely sort of, a, you know, a joint man myself, I, especially when, you know, it's rolling myself. I was kind of thinking about it in the car. It's kind of like um, when you're cooking and cooking your own food, the food kind of tastes better when you, you're the one that cooked it and sort ah, of you put the work into it. Same type of thing if you're the one that rolls yeah. the joint. It's, I don't know. Just kind of you're more in touch with the whole process, yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, very cool. Yeah, I think I mostly enjoy well, it, man. Let's, um, let's roll a joint. What's up, IC fans? We are at the new home of investing in cannabis, Gateway, in Oakland, California. It's really in two parts. So there's an incubator where they're going to help 10 companies get investment and press and you know advice. And they've asked me to be a mentor here, which is awesome. Thanks again, guys. Also going to be the new home of investing in cannabis. So we're going to do most of our shows here. It's a great space. In addition to the incubator, which you have to be accepted for, there's also Gateway Works which is just a really cool place where you can come and buy a desk, a monthly desk, right? I think it's $350 for the month. Get away from your roommates. You don't have to worry about having a stuck-up landlord. It's hard to find desk space. It's hard to find a place to work in the cannabis world. And then you can be a part of this cannabis entrepreneur uh, community as well. And you can benefit from the other founders. Great synergy here. If you've never been in a co-working space, it's like the way to start a company. So I was watching Weedakit. 
and uh, they had this amazing dude named Swami yeah. on it. He's a pretty amazing guy. And then I come to find out, I probably should have known this already, that he's one of your main growers. Yeah. How does that, how did that relationship start? That's uh, super so, cool. So this goes back to Nick. He, uh, so he's been an Emerald Cup judge for four or five years or so. Uh -huh. And Nick and Swami have been judges for the Emerald Cup, I think almost since it started. They've been judge, Emerald Cup judges for 10 plus years. Got it. Um, so all the judges, Emerald Cup judges, they all, they all get pretty close. They all have to, you know, get together and smoke. They all have to sample. I think this year there was 400 plus samples that they all had to try in like a matter of like two months or so. Oh wow! Um, so that sounds like a tough job. And sort of once, yeah, once it gets down to the final uh, rounds, I think once it gets down to like the last, you know, like 50 or so, uh, he was have, you know, he has weekly meetings up there every Tuesday for like all of part of November and December where they, you know, all the judges get together and they all, you know, sort of test out the final ones and, and talk them through and sort of. Uh, that's how they get to the conclusion of which one is the best one. So you get, you get pretty close when you're sitting there smoking a bunch of joints with people in the That's circle. That's amazing. You know? So this is actually Swami Selects. Or it is. Swami which one, which one is this? Uh, oh, the uh, the uh, kind is on the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah, which one is that one? Oh, this is Sunny Girl, it's yep. called. And then you got the uh, the THC 13.3, which isn't super high. Yeah, this is more of a CBD. But then the CBD yeah. is 9.3, which is off the charts, yeah. right? This is okay. actually one of my favorite ones Got recently. it. Okay, so I'm going to roll this up. But well, why don't you just tell us a little more about like what else is here? Sure. Kind of walk us through maybe some of them. So yeah, we've got uh, obviously if you've uh, just mentioned, we obviously list you know who the farmer was, um, where it was grown, and then on the bottom is where we put the actual strain name and the THC percentage and the uh, the CBD percentage. Um, and uh, actually, we're actually going through somewhat of a sort of a, a redesign of some of our packaging, and um, we want to. Uh, more focus on, we're thinking about focusing on uh, total cannabinoid count. Okay. Uh, because, you know, THC and CBD, they're, they're the most, you know, two well-known cannabinoids, but there's, you know, definitely more than just those two out there. It's an incomplete um, uh, picture, right? Uh, much yeah. the same way as calling it indica or sativa is right. an incomplete picture, right? right? Recent, recent research would, would suggest yeah, that. Definitely, I think it's... Uh, it's more comes down to the uh, the terpenes rather than sort of the sativa indica mm. thing, right? But mm. I think obviously sativa indicas is more more easier for people to, to remember and discern what they're looking for versus you know looking at a combination of a bunch of different terpenes. Um, but I think as people maybe become more uh, in tune and more you know connoisseurs, um, they'll start to maybe start to pay attention a little bit more to terpenes. That also is going to depend on you know if. Um, you know, retailers and, and dispensaries and whatnot are providing that information, obviously. But uh, I could see people getting a lot more specific in the terpenes they're looking for when they like really get an idea of you know what when works they understand for them. what yeah. it is and what they really like totally. about it. I agree. I agree. Uh, the other thing, just from checking out your your menu this morning, which I didn't realize, uh, is that you guys also do concentrates. Yeah. But not just any kind of co concentrates. Yeah. You got Frenchy cannoli. Yeah, we're pretty selective. And and these are solventless. Concentrates. Yep. How does all that cold, work? All cold water, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all cold water uh, concentrates, so yeah, solventless. Um, and uh, yeah, Frenchie, he's, uh, Frenchie's a, a really interesting guy. Um, you guys should bring him on the show, Oh, actually. he's coming on the show. He is. Uh, but I have nice. not met him yet. Okay. Tell, tell us about Frenchie a little bit. Oh, man, that guy. So he's, uh, you know, I don't want to mess up his story because he's got such a long and... and uh, yeah complicated, not complicated story, but uh, in-depth story. Yeah. So he, I know he lived, 
you know, he's obviously French, but he's lived in, you know, Afghanistan, he's lived in India, um, at least a few other countries, and is all learning, you know, the different sort of hashish techniques around the world and sort of combining those all into his own wow. method that is, you know, pretty unparalleled. And I think that's shown by the followers that he's got and sort of the following that he's, that he's built. Mm. Um, I think whenever he's got an event in any, any dispensary, it's, it's pretty much packed to the brim. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty honored to be, to be working with Frenchie. Um, and particularly interesting because concentrates are even more uh, risky right. to make in this state. Uh, than, than growing flowers. I mean, I haven't really been around many concentrate makers, and I think yeah. there's a reason for that, because yeah. I bring a camera everywhere that I go, right? Sure. And uh, they probably don't want to talk to me. But, um, I mean, it, are the farmers listed as openly, or the producers as openly listed on about concentrates uh, on Flocana? As, as uh, so, I mean, we, all, I mean the only, the, we, we only work with two. We work with Frenchie, and then we work with uh, Fire King. Okay. Um, so the only two guys we work with, and yeah, I mean, they're pretty open, but, um, you know, th their processes are, are pretty, pretty unparalleled and, and pretty pure. So they've, they've got nothing to hide, I guess. <laughs> I guess is yeah, the yeah, they're, uh, they're good with it, which is really cool to see that happening yeah. more and more because uh, that was a black box for so long. Right. We had no idea. In fact, my favorite strain in the world uh, is Green Crack. Okay. Horrible name. Uh, but but great strain. Sure. And for so so long, I had no idea who grew it, uh, because I had a, a dealer. Let's, let's be honest. You know, sure. before everything was was uh, on the up and up. And uh, he would say, Yeah, it's this woman in you know Mendocino County, and she grows it. But but that's all I ever could know. Right. You know? And I still don't know who it is, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but we got to get that. We should do that story. That's a fantastic story. Totally. Um, I don't have a poker here, but. I think we're okay. I always use my, sh my shoelace. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Wow, you're fucking MacGyver. <laughs> as cliche as that is with weed. Um, do you ever get to go up to the farms? Do you spend much time? Yeah, I've been up there a few times. I've, uh, fortunately, I've just been so busy down here. Every time like some of the team goes up there, I always got something I'm working on down mm. here. A uh, bunch, uh, bunch of the team was just up there last weekend, actually. Um, it always ends up being on Nikki and Swami's. Um, mm. Got it. Their uh, just their their farm and just their whole plot of land is a truly magical place. Yeah, um, they've pretty got pretty much got their own. How much land are we talking? Valley. About? Uh, I'm not sure how many acres it is, mm -hmm. but um, but massive. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So they pretty much own their own little valley. Yeah. Um, so you know most of farms on up in the Emerald Triangle are. A lot of them are up on a ridge, mm -hmm. um, like Happy Day Farms, Casey and Amber. There are another two uh, two farmers there in the, the Weedicate episode, I believe. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, like their farm is, is beautiful, um, and theirs is up up on like a three thousand foot ridge um, up in Laytonville, which is right, right outside Mendocino. Yeah. And mo a lot of the farms are, are up on these ridges up there. Um, because they're hard to get to. They're hard to get to, and I mean, there's just you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of you know, rolling hills and hills up in up in them. We'll try yeah. to go in general. So just natural. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, you know, a lot of them when you're on a ridge, you can get more of the sun. Um, but yeah, so Nikki and Swami's they they own this big valley. So right in front of their house, there's just like a huge open, you know, open space that's like mm -hmm. you know, almost the size of like a football field, I'd say. Wow. Um, that's just this huge open space. It's like you can just walk around out there. and um, It's just a lot more flat like flat at the bottom of this valley than most of the other farms I've been to up there. It's just, mm. it's just different. 
this kind of concept of like farm to table, right? Right. What, do, what does that mean? Giving you some, you know, giving consumers and, and patients a little bit more of a story behind the product that they're buying. Mm -hmm. um, and they can just create more of a, an emotional connection with, with the brands that they associate themselves with. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that part of it makes sense. You want to know what river your salmon came out of. You know, right. you want to know what mountainside your, your grapes were grown in that are in your Pinot Noir. I, I get that. Right. What I'm hoping is that, like, can we get to farm to table in the sense of, like, vertical integration? You know, like, can, are the unit economics going to come down significantly uh, if that farmer is also someone that's working for Flocana, for example? Um, I guess I'm a little careful with the, ter with the term vertical integration. Uh -huh. uh, what, I guess, can, can you go into that a little bit more? Well, I'd love mean? to hear why, you, why you're... Uh, oh, I mean, I think, yeah. um, I think that's one of the things that is somewhat of a, you know, a, a threat to, to small farmers is... Yep. I, don't know if it, I don't know if vertical integration is the right term, but just sort of these uh, you know, large-scale mega-grows yep. uh, that are 1,000-plus know, plants or so. Um, I, I think, you know... That's one of the fears of small farmers, and the other one is definitely coming into compliance. I know you wanted to, to mention that. Yeah, let's just, talk about compliance. The, um, I mean, there's definitely going to be you know, a lot more costs that, that farmers uh, are not incurring right now. Um, you know, they're going to have to have you know, accountants and everything else that actually, you know, yeah. that falls in line of, of running you know, a, a legitimate business. So um, the fear here is really that if we, uh, when we legalize, if we put so many either taxes or regulations, yeah. hoops to jump through, right? That only a big corporation or someone with deep pockets would be able to uh, fulfill well, all those they, requirements. I mean, yeah, the good news about, um, you know, these regulations just passed here in the fall is that they did, um, you know, it includes sort of the, the tiered licensing concept. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a smaller cultivator, then the cost of, you know, getting your license and whatnot is, is definitely going to be lower than if you're, you know, a large-scale commercial grow. So that, I mean, that's, right. that's definitely the good news. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and that makes sense like any other right. uh, form of taxation. Right. Right, we have tiered income tax. So, yep. you know, you pay relative to how much you yeah. spend, right? Yeah, no fascinating stuff. I mean, you think it'll pass in 2016 in November? You think we're going to get... I, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, I think. But, yeah. um, you know, it's definitely not still, you know, just... A certain thing at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got to get on the ballot first, which I'm pretty confident. Absolutely, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. That happens in July, I think. Is that, uh, that it gets finalized? Yeah, Something somewhere like around there, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty confident it'll be on the ballot, I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, considering it made it last time. Yeah. And it was reasonably close. Yeah, last it was definitely too. reasonably close. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would say I'm pretty confident, but, you know, I don't want to be too, too overconfident, I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's fascinating stuff. Honestly, we feel really lucky to be in this time and Absolutely. this like, watershed kind of monumental moment. You were talking about that a little bit, how yeah. like, everybody in this industry is just trying to hustle so that they don't fall behind yeah. when legalization comes. I mean, totally. Uh, Everyone's trying to you know, carve out their own niche and sort of just see where they're going to fit in. And branding becomes such a big part of that, I think. Yeah, I think... Um, um, which is something you yeah, guys have I done. I mean, there's, there's yeah. definitely... Um, you know, brands, um, definitely, you know, there's obviously edible brands and notable edible brands and some other ones. I think, you know, the actual flower brands um, is, um, was not really around until very recently. I think, you know, some have just yeah. started to pop up. Obviously, you know, you've seen, you know, your, your Marley Naturals and I've, I've seen a few other ones around as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, 
brands is definitely going to be be the future. I think like you know anything else is going to be like any other re retail operation. There's brands on the shelves, right? It's not all you know. Uh, you know, when you walk into Safeway, it's not all Safeway Select, and that's the only you know only thing on the shelf, right? Um, so I think brands are definitely going to be the, the future, and it's um, you know consumers and, and patients they want like brands that they can you know recognize and sort of connect with, identify with, identify right? with yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean the clothes you wear, the the music you listen to, all defines you a little bit, yeah. right? It's it's all a, a, a personal choice and and one that you probably hope others notice, right? And I don't think cannabis will be any different because that's how it is today for the most part, you right. know. If you've got the best shit to use street terms, right? That means something, right? Yeah. And people remember that you had the best shit, right? And now we just have to apply right. uh, traditional marketing to that. Right. And I think we're going to end up with some really sweet brands. Yeah. I guess you are already a little bit. I mean, there's like Dixie Elixirs in the world, right. which is very, very well known. Yep. Uh, there's others, I guess, in San Francisco, like Auntie Dolores, yeah. you know, is a pretty good brand. You yeah. guys are a great brand. Much because you focused on the farmer. I really like right. that. We don't see ourselves as just sort of another delivery service. We're definitely, you know, see ourselves as, as, as a brand. Um, mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, why we've taken over the last uh, two or three months or so, we've sort of uh, evolved in sort of the, the next phase. So we're starting to sell sort of, you know, our branded mason jar products in. Yeah, tell us about um, that, that choice, the, yeah. the mason jars. Yeah. Uh, the mason jars. So that's... Um, that sort of uh, re represents sort of the Emerald Triangle a lot. If you go up to the Emerald Triangle up there, you'll see a lot of a lot of small farmers use mason jars as sort of sort of their packaging. So I think it's sort of we're, we're representing the culture of what they do up there. But yeah, so you're starting to see these in some brick and mortar dispensaries and, and some uh, delivery services out there as well. So that's sort of the next phase. Is so you, not only can you find our you know our products with us, you can find them at your local dispensary that mm. you're used to going to. Mm. That's fantastic. And water is that your deal? Is that is that what you? Oh, work that's on every, that's everyone. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a whole organization shift. Got it. And so, what are the economics like there? I mean, what are you going to? Uh, you're basically wholesaling to to these. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's like you know anything else, direct to consumer versus wholesale. There's obviously a difference in margin there, uh -huh. but usually you make up for that in volume, right? Yeah. 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 And you had enough demand, I guess, for it that right. that it made sense to do that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think. Um, Obviously, the go-to-market strategy was was the on-demand um, side of things, and sort of the the platform connecting patients directly to the farmers, mm -hmm. um, and that was you know I think it's been been really successful, and it's sort of you know helped us build the brand and gotten to, gotten us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. um, but we just sort of think that uh, yeah, like I said, we don't just don't want to be a delivery service. We want to you know be a brand that stands for um, you know sustainability, craft farmers, you know small batch, and we want to be a brand, not just a delivery service. So that's that's the next step is. Having these available in your local dispensary and being on the shelf that you see. Awesome. Well, I think that's as good a place to wrap up as, yeah. as any. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Investing in cannabis is 100% independent media. That means there's no parent company. We don't have anybody telling us what to do. But in order to maintain that, I, I need you. Uh, so there's this great startup called Patreon in San Francisco, uh, and they allowed you to donate a little bit of money every month, five, 10, 20 bucks, uh, to help support the creators, us, Investing in Cannabis, of this great content that you love to watch. Even if you, you aren't in a position to come out to the world or you've got a conservative job, uh, if, if you're smoking cannabis, if you're enjoying it, uh, just you know, donate a little bit of money to us anonymously. And it's just your little way to stay connected to the industry, even if you can't shout it from the rooftops.
yet. Uh, you know, just give five, 10 bucks a month. I mean, you're, you're buying that weed anyways. And we're giving away free stuff. Uh, this episode, we got a nice pot of coffee t-shirt here. So if you want that, this is cannabis infused cocoa here. Uh, let's see what else we have. We got the coffee version. We got some CBD stuff as well. So if you don't want to get high at work, maybe just drink some coffee. So head over to patreon.com slash investing in cannabis. It gives you a chance to invest in cannabis.